This is the Sermon on the Mount. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at someone lustfully has already committed adultery in their heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be subjected to punishment. And you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn then the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the other nations do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the poor... Do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogue, the churches, and on the streets, to be honored by others. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, 
will reward you. When you pray, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like other people, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Eto mato matui terangi, kia tapu to ingoa, kia tai mai to rangatiratanga, kia metia to e pai akirunga rite fenua, kia rite ano kito terangi. Oh my kia mato aile, he taro ma mato motelela. Luro mato hara, me mato pongie murune, io te hunga. store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also no one can serve two masters either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to one and despise the other you cannot serve both God and money do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap, or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life. Do not judge or you will be judged. How can you say to your brother or sister, let me, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye, you hypocrite? 
First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from the eye of someone else. Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Which of you, if your son or daughter asks for bread, will give them a stone? Or if they ask for a fish, will give a snake? If you, then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. I bet you didn't realise when you woke up this morning that today was an extra special Sunday service in which you would get not one but two sermons. You lucky thing. We have just heard excerpts from the Sermon on the Mount, and wasn't it extraordinary and haunting, unnerving, even disturbing, but also breathtakingly beautiful. This second sermon takes us from the lofty heights of the revolutionary Palestinian preacher called Jesus to humble, ordinary me. And I freely confess, the Sermon on the Mount is a bloody tough act to follow. (laughs) My task is made somewhat less daunting by noting two things. First, most of what had to be said uh, this morning is in that first sermon. If you didn't catch it all, and yes, it was a lot to catch, then... When you get home today, sit down with a nice warm cuppa and read through the whole three chapters from the Gospel of Matthew. That's five through to seven. It is well worth your time. Second, my task is not only or primarily exegesis, that is interpretation, uh, of the Sermon on the Mount. Instead, I am interested in thinking through the question of the sermon series. Uh, Why be a Christian in 2022? I want to start by turning this question over a little, and then I will bring my musings into conversation with the ethical vision laid out by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. So let's consider again the question, why be a Christian in 2022? I think this question tends to incline us towards conversations about the reasons for belief. Uh, The search for good reasons perhaps also inclines us towards apologetics, the attempt to convince others that Christian faith is 
rational, intelligible, and defensible. Apologetics at their best can be profound, and there is great value in considering our reasons to believe. If we are honest with ourselves, however, I suspect many of us would find it quite easy to come up with a number of possible reasons not to believe in Christianity in 2022. I find it uh, very easy to think up a few such reasons myself. Tim foolishly suggested that we had a little bit of padding in this morning's service. And so what I'd like you to do, and this goes for you Zoomers as well, uh, in the chat function, talk to someone right next to you about perhaps potential challenges you have in believing in Christianity here today. Oh, by the way, you've got about 45 seconds, so don't <laughs> muck around, go for it. Righty-ho, your 45 seconds are up. I'm not going to ask you about your reasons. You don't need to uh, announce them publicly. I'm also not going to tell you mine. What I am going to say, however, is that at a very high level of consideration, I think the philosopher Charles Taylor was right when he pointed out in his monumental 860-page book, a secular age that belief today is hard work because the conditions of belief as it were are stacked against us christian belief in aotearoa today is a decidedly minority position and not an easy one to embrace so we can call this the problem of belief that is Many of us holding Christian beliefs experience it, at least sometimes, as hard yakka. Or better still, this is the first problem of belief, because this is really only the beginning of our troubles. The second problem of belief is that Christianity isn't only about belief. In fact, believing in Christianity, to put it somewhat crudely, is the easy part. Protestants have tended to place a really high emphasis on belief. This is actually quite peculiar. I teach in religious studies, and in religious studies we tend to talk about Protestant belief as a shorthand 
for how many scholars in relig of religion misunderstand their subject because they assume it is all about belief in gods or supernatural beings and the like. But religion is not only about propositional beliefs or creedal statements, and nor indeed is Protestant religion. It is also about corporeal practices, bodily practices. It's about political ideologies. It's about charity networks, institutional bureaucracies, sexual and gender identities, clothing styles, ritual effervescence, and also, I thought you'd enjoy that, and also ethical commitments. And just a wee note on this, I have been really struck by those students uh, who I've known who have at some point come to embrace Christianity during their studies or afterwards, and have then tried to fit into a church, presuming that once you share belief, you share something profound in common, and then have just been gobsmacked and bowled over by how jolly hard it is sometimes to fit into Christian community because of all those taken for granted norms and behaviors which are not generally articulated. Hmm. To properly explore the question, why be a Christian in 2022, therefore, we need to take the B seriously and think beyond just belief. And when it comes to taking Jesus seriously, the real problem is to put his ethics into practice. Instead of only asking why questions, therefore, perhaps we can also ask a how question, how to be a Christian in 2022. And this returns us to the Sermon on the Mount. What is disconcertingly clear about this sermon is that Jesus calls his followers not just to believe, but to do. We are to enact a form of life. This form of life is to be characterized by a particular set of practices. The breadth of the ethical vision of the Sermon on the Mount is worrying. It encompass, encompasses economics and sexual relationships. It concerns our treatment of the poor. It addresses our anxieties and our imaginations. It concerns not only how we see others, but also how we treat them. It is about what we do in private when no one else is looking. Even more worrying is that Jesus expects that adhering to this ethical code will involve considerable pain. That you are blessed when you are insulted, persecuted and betrayed strongly suggests that Jesus thought this outcome was fairly likely. As we continue to wait for Easter this Lent, perhaps we can again discern that the form of life in which Jesus calls us is distinctly cruciform, it's cross-shaped. But in my mind, that isn't even the worst of it. The absolute worst is that Jesus expects his followers to learn and repeatedly enact the art of forgiveness. This is really, truly annoying. <laughs> 
It is annoying because it anticipates that we will have reason to forgive each other. It is annoying because Jesus swiftly undercuts all potential desire for revenge. It is annoying because forgiveness is always but always hard work. But the Sermon on the Mount makes it clear that the enacting of forgiveness is fundamental, unavoidable for the followers of Jesus. The repetition of this point situates reconciliation as pivotal. Here are some examples. Peacemakers are blessed, and they alone are called the children of God. Our capacity to receive God's forgiveness is predicated on our willingness to forgive others. And so the Lord's Prayer contains the line, Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. The angry person is told to leave their gift at the altar and first go and be reconciled. And as we approach the Eucharist again today, I invite you to consider whether there is a broken relationship in your life that you need to seek to mend. The lex talionis, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, is rejected outright and replaced with the command to love your enemies. Uh, By the way, I take this to indicate that the form of life which Jesus calls his followers is indeed pacifist, as loving your enemies and killing them is not really congruent. We are also told not to judge others, and we are warned about the potentially painful condition of plank eye. This is hard teaching. It is a challenge to live out this peaceable ethic. When we are hurt, we desire to cling on to our pain, to nurse our wounds. We don't want to let the wrongdoer off the hook. We want them to get what they deserve. It is also hard because, like any other kind of art, these arts require regular practice, and patience, and ongoing learning. And this is a grueling form of life to which Jesus calls all his followers. And it is hard. In considering the Sermon on the Mount, I have inverted the question, why be a Christian, into a how question. How be a Christian in 2022? And this moves us beyond the problem of belief into the bigger problem of the ethical practices Jesus expects of his followers. Jesus calls all his followers in every age, including our own, to live a particular form of life which receives violence but doesn't seek revenge, which behaves with love even for our worst enemies, which forgives all those who hurt us, and which avoids casting judgment on, frankly, the many sinners around us. In short, Jesus invites us into a form of life which remains thoroughly revolutionary. Let me conclude with two last points. One of my areas of research is North American Mennonites. I'm finishing off a book on Mennonites at the moment, and I'm nearly there, and it is very exciting. Oh, two chocolates later. Um, Amish can be considered a kind of Mennonite, albeit a horse and buggy bonnet wearing technology shunning kind, 
When an Amish person is asked the question, are you a Christian? The classic Amish answer is to respond by saying, don't ask me. You should ask my neighbor instead. This response seems to me to get a whole lot right. It acknowledges that being a Christian is a matter of practices and relationships rather than just being about beliefs or identities. Folks around us will invariably know better than we do whether we behave Christianly or not. The classic Amish answer presumes, therefore, that an ethical and relational form of life is inherent to following Jesus. My final point is to return to the question, why be a Christian in 2022? And one reason why is related to my answer to the how question. Why? Because Jesus invites us into a particular form of life which he himself practiced and lived. This form of life is laid out in a daunting, revolutionary, ethical vision that places love at the very center of our being that calls us to suffer so that others may have life and which holds out the practice of forgiveness as central to our relationships and also to our worship. Although this vision is worryingly hard, it is also sublime and profound. In my view, this grand and sacred vision for an ethical form of life is absolutely worthy of your time and commitment. For me, Reading the Sermon on the Mount and listening again to the challenge laid out by Jesus to his followers is a bit like gazing out on a stunning vista from a high ridge up in the Tararuas. It is majestic. It's inspiring. It is breathtakingly beautiful. Why be a Christian? Because when you follow Jesus, you join with a fellowship of sinners who seek to enact the vision of a peaceable kingdom. And may God give us the strength and the courage to attempt to live out this vision in our lives and in our church again today. Amen. Thanks, Phil. Uh, let's just take a minute to let that settle.